Good morning. I'd invite everyone who's standing and chatting in the back to make your way into the sanctuary. The music will usher you in as well. Everyone who is seated, please stand and sing with us for the beauty of the earth. The words might be slightly different than what's in your hymn book, so feel free to just look at the words on the screen behind us. Thanksgiving weekend to you all. You can have a seat. We welcome you here. Um, we welcome you to embrace a spirit of gratitude this morning. We can be grateful when ordinary life is enough. And we can thank God for the little and small things and for his goodness and his love in his character all the time, even if our circumstances aren't what we wish they were. So I'll read Psalm 8 as the call to worship this morning. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings that you care for them. 
You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for being with us, always initiating relationship, and for welcoming us back to return and return and return, and to repent in that sense as well, to change our minds and change our direction. And thank you for your constant uh, grace and second chances. Um, and we just thank you for always welcoming us back to the altar with open arms. Amen. Please stand again as we sing, O Come to the Altar. This is maybe a new song for some of you. Some of you may have heard it on the radio before. Um, so if you don't feel comfortable singing along, feel free to just embrace this as an invitation.
You may be seated. This next song also may be new for you. Uh, the verses just repeat, so feel free to, again, sing along when you feel comfortable. Um, and this is talking about the new, the new work that Jesus does in us um, and the work that also is done through, um, through trials and, and suffering sometimes as well. Do I don't need 
ties in as well with communion that we'll have later this, this morning. Um, lots of symbol, different symbols for wine or symbolism with wine in the New Testament. Um, please stand again. Let's sing 10,000 Reasons, a Thanksgiving song. If you're not able to stand, do not worry at all. This is just a way we can use our bodies as well to worship the Lord. near and my time 
can have a seat. Gratitude is a practice, and so we can practice it together. I'll let the worship team have a seat. And if you have your Bibles, please turn to Genesis. Don't have to turn very far. Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 31. And then we'll also read Genesis 3, 1 to 13. So if you want to have your thumb in one spot so you can easily turn. First, we'll read Genesis 1, 26 to 31. Originally on the worship schedule, it had said Genesis 1 to 3, and that would have been a lot of reading. So thankfully, Pastor Russell shortened this so I wasn't reading three chapters. <laughs> it's all the word of the Lord, though. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Genesis 3, 1 to 13. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. 
I guess that's tomorrow. It's always today in my family. It was always a Sunday thing. But let's bow now and dismiss all the little ones to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you for the little ones in our congregation. And we pray that as they go to Children's Church now, there will be many good times to be had, many good things to learn, that their eyes will be open to you in new ways. And we also pray for the teachers, give them the words to say, and give them whatever it is they need to be there with these little ones now. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, dismissed. Down. That way. If you have your bulletins on you, now is the time to pull them out. The first thing that you will find on there is a reminder that today, everything that you give to the offering uh, in the box in the back will go towards the refugee fund. Um, as you heard last Sunday, there are a number of reasons that it is uh, coming up short, namely due to inflation and also due to uh, rent being paid a couple months before Bilal and Fatima got here because of uh, delays in processing. And so we are a little bit behind on that one. So if you could give freely on this Thanksgiving, that would be appreciated by them for sure. Uh, Wednesday, 7 p.m., prayer meeting at the church. I'd encourage you to come. Uh, then next Sunday, 9.45, Sunday school, 10.45, worship service. There is also uh, girls' Bible study, uh, teens' Bible study, youth on Thursday at 7 o'clock. 7.30, I will get that right yet. 7.30 at ba uh, Dawson and Beth's house. Skipping down, October 23rd, uh, there is going to be a Thanksgiving supper uh, finally returned after all of these years. I am excited for that. Uh, 5.30 here at the church. Please bring a dessert. Uh, invite your friends. Uh, it'll be a good time. There's also a sign-up on the back of the things that we still need everybody to cook in order for it to be a great meal yet. So make sure to keep a look at that. Uh, next, volunteers needed for Kids Connect still. Talk to Christine Murray. Uh, also, I would continue to encourage you, make sure to pray for Kids Connect. That is starting up very soon, October 26th. I think that's only three weeks away. And so we want to pray for Kids Connect here as they are getting those last details into place and also for when they are going throughout the year as well. Also, November 13th. Senior celebration is coming back. Uh, it is going to be held at the Sommerfeld Church this year. I believe Rhineland is the one on deck uh, to be running it. Uh, so that is November 13th at 2.30. All right. Then, looking at our items of prayer. Uh, the first one there, municipal elections are coming up soon as well. I believe the 26th is when our municipal elections are going to be. The full slate of candidates is already down. Uh, I'd encourage you to look over their platforms, but we're going to want to pray that God works through the elections uh, to help North Norfolk over the years to come. We always want to pray for our elected leaders, so we will want to keep them in our prayers now. Next, Lorena Dick. She has moved on Monday. It was a full day, but we've gotten her settled in, and I am told that she is already making friends with all of her neighbors. She was already making friends with her neighbors when I was helping her move in on Monday as well. And so that is absolutely wonderful. There is many good things that she can do there. Many, there was poster after poster of different things that were going on, but we want to pray that she continues to settle in uh, and that it is a good home for 
for her. I also uh, didn't get it quite in time, but I do have her new phone number. I will put it in the bulletin a different time instead of trying to look it up right now. Uh, but we have her phone number as well. And then finally, it is Thanksgiving, so we want to pray for all of the things that we are thankful for. And just so we can get more than what I am thankful for, I'm going to give you a couple, just shout out, what are you thankful for right now this Thanksgiving? A new great-grandson. Tyson uh, and Kenzie Murray had their, their little one. A Theo, Theo George? Theo, oh, Theo George. Born on Tuesday, right? Yeah, Tuesday. No, it was Monday afternoon. October 3rd. So that is wonderful news. What else are we thankful for? Great harvest weather. That I 100% agree with. After it was a little, well, I think that that freeze that came a couple nights back is exactly what everybody wanted, wasn't it? I think the time for growing is done. So, oh, and harvest is going well so far? Harvest is going well so far as well. And so that is a thing to be thankful for. What else? I'm going to take two more. Oh, Michelle is feeling better. There's still work to be done, but my ears are not as good as they used to be. I, I'm sad, but we, I got the Michelle is doing better. I got the Mich She did some canning. Oh, that's another thing to be thankful for right there. A whole bunch of salsa. She got tomatoes? Every last one. Okay. I don't know what it was this year, but like every last one of our tomato plants and corn, just nothing. They grew very nice and then just... <sighs> That's true. We are being thankful, and I'm going to be thankful for the beans and that. Oh, and plenty of sunflowers. As big as houses our sunflowers are. And one more. For all the church people. That I certainly can pray an amen to as well. All right. Then why don't you bow with me in a word of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning first off saying thank you for so many things. On this day, we take stock of our lives a little bit this weekend, and we think of all of the things that we really praise you for. It's something we know that we should do every day, that we should make a very concerted effort to do, but at the same time, having this weekend to make sure that we do, that is a good thing too. We want to thank you this morning for new life. We want to thank you this morning for Theo George, named for his grandfather. We want to thank you that the pregnancy went well. We want to thank you that 
this little bundle of joy came into the family as quickly as he did, and we want to thank you for the life that he will live and the joy that he will bring. We pray a blessing on his life and on the parents as they now raise him. And we want to also say thank you for Michelle with all of the ups and downs of her cancer over the years. It has been a hard journey so that now that she is looking to be good again for this time, good enough to make salsa even, oh Lord, that sits in us well. We say thank you for being the great healer that you are in her life. And we pray you please continue on being that great healer in her life as well. And Lord, we want to thank you for the weather all around us. We want to thank you for the frost that it came when it did. And now we want to thank you that the next week is looking pretty nice to be outside as well. God, we pray that the rest of harvest continues to go well. We pray that it is a bountiful harvest. Lord, we pray for safety in it as well. But we say thank you, Lord, for what has been. And finally, we also want to say thank you. Here's the part where I forget the last thing. I have a terrible memory sometimes. Can somebody tell me what it was? Oh, that's a terrible one for me to forget. God, I want to say thank you for all of my friends here this morning. Lord, I want to say thank you for what each and every one of them has taught me, for what each and every one has shown me, for what each and every one has given and continues to give to build your kingdom here in McGregor, in North Norfolk, in Austin, in Portage, in the world around them, for the model that they are, for what it means to live following you. God, I thank you for each and every one of my brothers and sisters here today. And I want to pray a blessing on them over the week to come as well. Thank you. And God, we also want to thank you for Lorena. God, we want to thank you that as she has moved into this new house, that she is beginning to make friends already, that she is beginning to plug in with the different events already, and that she is getting settled in already. Lord, we pray that it will continue to be a blessed time, her being there. We pray that there will be more friends to be made. We pray that she will find what she needs to truly run. God, we want to put that before you this morning as well. We also want to thank you for all of the many people that helped her move on Monday. The Wrights, Sawatskis, her family, for everyone else that came as well and that helped over the year, over the time, Lord, we want to thank you for each of them. We want to thank you that we can see you in the help that they gave. And Lord, finally, we want to thank you for the country we live in. We want to thank you for the municipality we live in, the town we live in, 
and all of the blessings that you have given to us. And as the elections are coming up, God, we pray that you will bless them. God, we pray that the outcome will be exactly what it is that you want the outcome to be. And we pray that out the far end, even if we do not see it directly, we will see your kingdom built as a result. Lord, all of these things we bring before you this morning. And all of these things we lovingly lay at your feet. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Today, we are returning to what it means to live in faithfulness. Last week, we began our journey exploring what it means to live in faithfulness by defining our terms. And if you weren't there for it, I I guarantee you, it was much more interesting than it sounds. But what we came to is that what it means to live in faith, what it means to live in faithfulness, is living in trust and reliance on a God who has proven himself worth trusting and relying upon time after time after time again. That is what it means to have faith as a Christian. That is what it means to live in faithfulness, to live in trust and reliance on God. And this week we are going to begin building out what that actually means to our day-to-day life by looking at two passages that at first glance uh, don't seem to have anything to do with living in faithfulness, but as we're going to see, actually undergird the whole thing. They're actually deeply, deeply connected. And so if you have your Bibles on you, I'd encourage you to find the two hardest passages in the Bible by a long shot, Genesis 1 and then Genesis 3. In Genesis 1, we're going to be focusing particularly on verses 26 and 28 and then 3, I think, up to verse 13. But there's going to be some pretty dense theology stuff, but incredibly important as well. Now, Genesis 1. There we are met with the story of creation. And in it, we're going to find some pretty deep truths, as you can expect that we would find in the story of creation. And I've said this before, but when we read Genesis 1, 2, 3, these stories, I'd encourage you not to get too hung up on whether or not these are literal or not, because I find in every time that that's what's focused on, whether or not this is literal or figurative or anything like that, we always end up missing the deeper truths that are actually the important thing that we shouldn't be missing reading these passages. Truths like how in creation God is shown to just absolutely flex how powerful he actually is. He creates everything. And how does he create everything? Does he get out a hammer and just start whipping things out? And he just speaks it into existence. Can you imagine that? Just speaking it. And there it is. No effort at all. And truths like, notice how after every day when God creates, what he says is, he looked it over and it was good. Now think about that for a moment. Does God just make absolutely everything and then from a distance looking at the whole big picture say, you know what, I did a pretty bang up job there if you don't say so myself. No. Every last one of the days after everything is put into its place, put with care 
and lovingly placed where it is, that's when he says that it is good. God is a God that cares for the details of what he has made. God is a God that cares for the little things. God is a God that thinks what he made is good, that thinks what he made has value. And so when you're reading this, I beg you, come away from it. Also knowing that all that God made has value because he says it has value. And while there are many, many, many more things that we can take out of this passage, let's skip forward to verse 26 now because that's where we see human beings be made. And so that's clearly what we're going to care about the most. But there we read, let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. And so it is that we people enter the grand story. And as we do... In these short verses, we learn three unbelievably important things about what it means to be a human being, what it means to be human. Let us make mankind in our own image so that they may rule over what I have made. God begins. In the period of time when this passage was written, that term image, it actually referred to something very particular that it doesn't today. When we think of it today, we think the word image just means a picture. But in those days, the word image kind of means more like a flag. It was in the picture of the king for certain, but wherever that image was, there that king ruled. That was the purpose of an image there. And so from this short verse, we see this important truth. We see that by nature of us just being made, we are made in a close relationship to our God, in a purposeful relationship to our God. We cannot exist without our God. And so we know our relationship with the Lord has to be a part of what it means to be human. And from this verse, we also see that just by being human, we also are made in a relationship with the rest of everything God made as well, with the rest of God's creation that he made as well. We see that because we are made on the second half of day six. We are made as a part of that creation God doesn't go off and make us somewhere completely separate and then place us there. No, he makes us as a part of that creation. When we eat, we eat from that creation. And we're also in charge of that creation. We learn from these passages. In the name of our Lord, to reflect that rule of the one who cares for the smallest of details, for the one that loves what he has made, we cannot exist 
without the world around us. We cannot exist without all of what God has made. And so we know that our relationship to creation is also a part of what it means to be human as well. And then the passage goes on. Together, male and female were made in God's image, we're told. Not alone, not one over the other even, but instead together as equals, we are made in the Lord's likeness. Why male and female? Well, that go forth and multiply part in the next verse is going to say something about that. Together from male and female comes the next generation of people bearing the image, reflecting God's rule wherever they may be. That's the go out and cover the corners of the earth part. But also from this relationship, don't lose sight of the fact that that is every single bit of human civilization that has ever existed from male and female together. Every peoples in the entirety of the world come from that relationship. We cannot exist without other people. And so to be human is to be in relationships with other human beings as well. To some extent, with all other human beings as well. And so it is that we see in these few short verses these three incredibly important truths as to what it means to be a human being. It means that we are created to be, that we are supposed to be in three kinds of relationships with God, with creation, and with everyone else as well. These three relationships, they define us as human. And so it is that if these relationships are strong, then we are doing pretty okay. But if they are not, well, we're going to see that in the next chapter. But it is to these three truths that our God then says in verse 31, not just that it is good this time around, but that it is very good. Now, keeping all that in mind, what it means to be a human, let's skip forward to the beginning of Genesis chapter 3. And there you will find the story of the fall, the story of when sin entered into the world. And we read there, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will be like God. That's what the serpent says one fine day to the first woman, Eve. I was joking with Dawson earlier. I grew up not too far away from Narcissus, so that checks out. Serpents are pretty crafty. But that's what he says. And the fact that this is what a snake says to Eve means, again, maybe don't get too hung up on whether or not this is literal or not. Instead, focus on the deeper truths that are being said here. And we read that Eve succumbs to that temptation because who among us wouldn't succumb to that temptation? Who of us wouldn't want to be more like God? And so she eats of the fruit and then does Adam, the first man as well, 
Then in quick succession, a bunch of big things happen. Adam and Eve both realize that they are naked and they hide from one another. And then God appears and we're told that Adam and Eve hide from him as well. Then when they finally do speak to our Lord and they spill the beans as to what it is that they had done, that they had done this thing that they were expressly told not to do by our God. Then we see those three relationships that define what it means to be a human being. We see them absolutely flipped on their head. Why did you do this thing I told you not to? God asked. First, Adam answers, because this woman you made made me do it. And somehow in a single sentence, he blames both God and Eve for something that he chose to do, that he did wrong. And then Eve defends herself, because the snake made me do it. And so we see Eve blame the creation she's supposed to be ruling over. She blames it also for a bad decision that she ultimately made. That's some pretty unjust ruling right there. Sure, they were tempted, but it's them that made the decision. There's one question from God. Why did you do this? Two answers from us. And all three of the relationships that define what it means to be human are in an instant thoroughly shot through a sin, thoroughly damaged. And so they remain until this very day. This is the great truth that you will find in Genesis 3, that this is what the fall is all about, that this is what sin is all about. It is about the damaging of these relationships that define what it means for us to be human. Every time you sin, even to this day, every time you cheat, every time you steal, every time you whatever, this is what's happening. When you sin in some way, you are further damaging these relationships that make you human. When you sin, you are, through your actions, dehumanizing yourself. Because that's what happens when you stretch and warp and strain and hurt the relationships that make you a person. Every time you sin, you are either hurting your relationship with God, with the rest of creation, or with everyone else else, or more likely than not, all of the above. You name a sin, that is what is happening. And so it is we come to the end of Genesis 3, to the section that's known as the curses, when for sinning God inflicts upon humanity the consequences of our actions. And as you read this section, knowing what it means for humans to be human and what it means to sin. You can't help but recognize that each of these curses is less a punishment than it's a description of what life is like now that sin has torn relationships in some way. 
with either God, with creation, or other people. Because where once man and woman were created together, as we see in Genesis 1, now what do we see in the curses after the fall? Man domineering over woman. Where once the generations got along, now that sin has damaged those relationships, there is tension here. Where once humanity and the rest of creation lived in harmony in the garden together, now that sin is warped, those relationships, there is resistance, there is animosity there, there is toil. And where once God and human beings walked together in the garden, now we no longer see our Lord's face as clearly as we once did. All of the relationships that define us as human, they're all still there. Because as we saw, we couldn't really exist without them. But now these relationships are damaged and strained by the weight of sin. And we are living in the consequences of that to this very day. That is the deep truth of Genesis 3. All right. That's the enough of the really... <laughs> enough of the really dense theology stuff right now, but now you must be wondering if our whole point today was to talk about what it means to live faith out in our lives, in our day-to-day. As I said, that is the topic that we're going to be discussing. What does creation in the fall have to do with that? What does it have to do with living in faithfulness to God? Well, to explain that connection, I'm going to ask you a question right now, and it's going to be a bit of an odd one. What is the Bible actually about? What is the story of the Bible in a big sense? That's a surprisingly difficult question for a lot of people to answer. It's because many of us, when we read our Bibles, we strictly read them in piecemeal. We read them here and there. We read them as if we're looking for answers for how we should do this or how we should live in this situation. And while there's nothing wrong with doing that from time to time, it does become a problem when that's the only way that you read your Bible. It does become a problem if that is the only thing you do. It becomes a problem because if you only read your Bible in that way, then your Bible becomes nothing more to you than like a textbook, a moral handbook for how to live your life. It becomes about you. And God becomes little more than a powerful vending machine whose entire purpose is just how to solve your problems. But if you make a point instead, and I'd encourage you all to do this over the year to come, if you make a point instead to read your Bible from beginning to end, Genesis to the end of Revelation, then what you will find is that there is an overarching story there. And it is an overarching story that will really change your life if you let it. What you will find is the story of what we talked about today. 
of an all-powerful God who created all things and somewhat puzzlingly loved and valued even the smallest details of what he made, even though he's strong and powerful enough that he made it all just by saying that it's so. And in the world around, the, the plants, the animals, and all of the things that he made, of all of the things that he made, he made human beings special. He made human beings at the end, at the pinnacle of it. And he made us in his image. And he gave us everything that we could ever want. We walked with God in the garden, in paradise after all. We ruled on his behalf. And then one day, we thought we could be God better than God could. And in doing so, we really ran roughshod over everything. That's what we've talked about today. That's the first three pages of your Bible. And then, as the Bible is a pretty long book, the entire rest of it, we see the aftermath of that sinful destruction play out. And far from being a terrifying story of how things get worse and worse and worse, we instead see a grand history through which God has never stopped working, never stopped reaching out to us in order to put things back to the right way that they were meant to be. Even goes to such incredible lengths to become human himself, Jesus Christ, and to die on a cross just to save us from the consequences of what happened in Genesis 3. And by the end of it, we see that one day all of this work will be successful. And not only will things be as they were in creation, but better still. That's the story of your Bible, if you read it from back, front to back. And it's a great read. Five out of five stars. Highly recommend. Life changer. But that this is what your Bible is about. That's important to keep in mind that that's the overarching story of what scripture is. That's important to keep in mind if you want to answer what creation and the fall have to do with living in faithfulness. And I say that because if nearly the entirety of the Bible is all about how God has never stopped reaching out to us in order to set things back to the way that they were meant to be, that's the story of the Bible, then I ask you this question. How can you have faith in God? How can you trust and rely on God if you don't think how things were made to be was actually any good in the first place? I don't think you can. You can't have faith in God if you think that the world that he made is trash or is inherently no good. Because through our Lord's actions and throughout all of scripture, he has repeatedly said and demonstrated that he thinks the opposite. You can't have faith in God if you think that human beings aren't worth trying to save because he literally chose death 
to show us that that is the truth, that we are worth something. You can't have faith in God if you think I'm incapable of either making something worth saving or if you think that he, what he's been doing this whole time is something that is dumb to do. You, you can't have faith in God if you think that life would be better if it was just used up, burned up, and tossed to the side. You can't have faith in God if you think that all things are worthless. You can still believe that that God exists if you think everything is terrible, if everything is disposable. You can still believe that God exists. You can still even believe that our God exists if you think that everything is worth nothing. But you can't trust and rely on him. You can't have faith in him. Because as we have seen, what faith is, trusting and relying on God. How can you have faith on God if everything that you think that he does is worth nothing? No, to have faith in God has to mean trusting and relying on the belief that all the life that God has made and that he values is worth valuing as he says it is. To have faith in God has to mean the trusting and relying on the belief that there is hope, that there is goodness left in this world that he caringly made and that it is worth living your life for. To have faith in God has to be to trust and rely on the belief that God has known what he is doing all of this time and that it's the best thing that we can possibly do to help him recover that as well. And it's here with what we have been discussing today about creation in the fall run headlong into what it means to live in faithfulness to God because if to have faith in God is to believe that he knows what he is doing as he keeps reaching out to us to set things back to the way they were before sin tore the relationships that define us all to shreds. Then to live in faithfulness to God has to mean to live in such a way that we join in the work that it takes to set those relationships back to right. And we can do that by working to live not in the curses of the fall, but instead by building up the good relationships we find in creation. We can do that by working to set the relationships that define us to be human to right. And there is real hope to be found in that. So what it means to live in faithfulness to God, what it means to live in trust and reliance on him, has to mean that we are working on our relationship with God. We may not walk next to each other in the garden anymore, but that doesn't mean that we cannot spend time 
in his presence. We are made in his image after all. So read your Bibles to find out who our God is. Spend time in prayer, actually in conversation. Praying as our Lord Jesus teaches us to in the Gospels. Work on your relationship that defines you as human being. Work on your relationship with God and you will be living in faithfulness to him. At the same time, to live in faithfulness to God is to work on your relationship with the rest of creation as well. We are called to rule over creation on behalf of the God who loves it and cares for it in detail. So work to cultivate in yourself that same level of love and appreciation for the world around you as well. Be in awe of the world that our God has made. See its value. Help to heal it as it needs healing, and that means quite a lot right now. Learn how you can help God's creation to not just get by, not just decline, but to actually thrive. Because that is what it means to be a good ruler that we were made to be. So work on your relationship with all of the rest of creation and you will be living in faithfulness to God. And to live in faithfulness to God also means to work on your relationship with other people as well. Together we are made in God's image after all. So instead of caring so much about all the ways that we are different, who is above and who is below in the hierarchy of all things, instead work to build those relationships with other people instead. Reconcile when we are torn apart. Care for the well-being of others rather than only your own. Spread the good news that people are loved and are inherently worth something because God made us in his image and shows us that this is the truth in everything that he does. And then do the hardest part of all. Don't just say these words, but live that out in your day-to-day. -day. Make the world around you the kind of place where all of human life thrives. Work on these relationships with other people and you will be living in faithfulness to God. And finally, learn to care for yourself as well. We're made in God's image after all and so how can you live in faithfulness to God if you don't think you're worth anything? He disagrees with you profusely. And so care for yourself as our Lord cares for you. To live in faithfulness is to try with God's help to live as someone fully human again, as we find in Genesis 1, not as somebody that's torn down by sin as we see in the curses in chapter three. We are to live as someone defined by our good relationships and not by the sin that has come to strain them. That is what creation has to do with living in faithfulness. 
That is why we should live in faithfulness because by doing so, we will see the goodness that is all around us in creation brought up. And as we will see over the weeks to come, living in this way undergirds everything else about what it means to live in faithfulness to God as well. Because this is what it means to not live in sin, but in faith to our Lord, as Jesus teaches us to do, and as Paul teaches us to do. This is what it means to build the kingdom of God as well. It is to help in our own ways and in our own lives and relationships and in the world around us to reclaim what paradise once was and can be again. Amen. This morning we are also having communion, and so I'd like to ask the servers to come up. And what we see in communion fits right in with our passage today. Because what we see in communion is all of the believers of Christ coming together once again in our God. We read in 1 Corinthians, For the tradition I received from the Lord and also handed on to you is that on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way with the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. In McGregor EMC, we believe that communion is open to all people. If you have little ones with you, though, I will ask that you make that decision for them yourself. Please bow with me in a blessing. Our God, we thank you for showing yourself to us after all this time. We thank you for reaching out to us over all of the many long eons to bring us back to yourself, to reclaim and to set right everything around. And God, we thank you so much that now, as we have this time of communion, we can see you clearly. We can see the work that you are doing in your church clearly. And we can see our relationship with you rebuilt. Our God, we pray as we have this communion, as it is being handed out to us, that we spend that time reflecting on our relationship to you and also with everyone else and that you will convict in us if there is anyone that we need to set things right with so that we will go and do that the moment the service has ended. God, this we put before you. Amen.
and together we eat. And together we drink. And together I ask that we recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our closing song will be The Love of God. And as we've been doing recently, we'll be singing all but the last verse. So we'll stop after verse two in the chorus for Pastor Russell to come and say the benediction, and then we'll carry on with the verse three in the chorus. So please stand and let's sing the first two verses and choruses of The Love of God. benediction today, we turn to the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Happy Thanksgiving. 
Go now and serve our God.